Good morning. How's everybody today? Praise God that we get to come to his house this morning and be fed. We'll be going over question 88. I'll be jumping ahead a little bit this morning, going over the law, the Ten Commandments or the Ten Words. Last week we looked at the summary of the Ten Commandments, first four commandments being to love the Lord our God with all our hearts, souls, mind, body, and spirit. And secondly, and Jesus said in the Gospels, equally as important to love thy neighbor as ourselves. This morning we'll be looking at the ability in this life to keep the law. If y'all would, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 7. And before we go there, I'll read, while y'all are going there, I'll read a couple verses to you. Psalms 53 verse 2 and 3 says this, For God looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and that did seek God. Every one of them is gone back. They are altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Right before the flood in Genesis chapter 6, it says this, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Let's pray before we go any further. Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We, we pray that you'd open, open our understanding unto this this morning, Lord, that there is none of us righteous. There is none of us that could keep this law save one, the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us this morning, Father. Help me. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to speak what you have for us this morning, Lord, and to you be given all the glory and all the honor, for you're the only one that could accomplish it, Father. We could not. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Our question this morning is, any man able perfectly to keep the commandments of God? Our answer being, no mere man since the fall is able in this life perfectly to keep the commandments of God, but daily breaks them in thought, word, and deed. Even after the salvation of your soul, Every day, in word, thought, and deed, we still break the commandments. We cannot keep them perfectly. If you're in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 right now, I'd like you to focus your attention on verse 20. King Solomon says here, For there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good, and sinneth not. Not one. If you would turn to First Kings, First Kings chapter eight, and we'll be going through a good bit of scripture this morning. I want you to see the scripture, the scriptural basis, not my opinion, 
not a doctrine that we necessarily may believe or not believe in, which we do original sin. But the scriptures witness to this. First Kings chapter eight, look at verse forty four. Look at 44 and 45. If thy people go out to battle against their enemy, whithersoever thou shalt send them, and shall pray unto the Lord toward the city which thou hast chosen, and toward the house that I have built for thy name, then hear thou in heaven their prayer and their supplication, and maintain their cause. If they sin against thee, for there is no man that sinneth not. And thou be angry with them and deliver them to the enemy so that they carry them away captive unto the land of the enemy far near. For there is no man that sinneth not. How many times have you witnessed to a person to tell them about Christ and they say, well, I'm a good person. Surely God won't judge me like he would judge the murderer or the rapist. I haven't done anything like that. I'm a good person. There's none good. No, not one. Proverbs 20 verse 9 says, Who can say I have made my heart clean? I am pure from my sin. Who could say that? None of us can. Genesis chapter 8. I'd like you to see something here. I quoted Genesis chapter 6 to you earlier. It says that all the imaginations and every thought of man upon the earth was only evil continually. In Genesis chapter 6, God sent a flood and wiped out all the inhabitants of the earth. He purged the earth of sin. Two chapters later, I'd like you to see something here. Genesis chapter 8. Look at verse 20 and 21. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done. Sin was still in Noah and his descendants. sin was not wiped away by that flood it was still in Noah's flesh even though his soul because in Genesis 6, 6 it says that Noah found favor in the sight of God favor because he was a sinless man no God gave him the ability to believe God gave him faith very familiar passage in Isaiah 64 verses 6 and 7 it says but we are all as an unclean thing and all of our righteousness are as filthy rags and we all do fade as a leaf 
and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away and there is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to make to take hold of thee rather for thou hast hid thy face from us and hast consumed us because of our iniquities sin is a serious thing brothers and sisters sin separates us from a holy god if you would turn to isaiah 6 i We'll see the prophet Isaiah. He had a vision of the risen Christ or a pre-incarnation, if you would. Isaiah chapter 6. Let's just read the first seven verses. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, meaning the tail end of his robe, his train filled the temple. The length of a train of a cloak back in those days was said to determine the size of a king's kingdom. And his train filled the temple, an everlasting kingdom. Verse 2, And above it stood the seraphims, each one having six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. What a scene Isaiah had seen in this vision. Listen to how Isaiah responded to this. In verse 5, he said, Then I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. With all that majesty that Isaiah witnessed, the first thing in the thoughts of his mind was his sinfulness before a holy God. I can't be here. I'm undone. I'm coming apart. The, the, the wording actually means discombobulated. He was coming apart at the seams, being the presence of a holy God. Verse 6 says, Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongue, with tongs from the altar, rather. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away. And thy sin purged. Sin was removed in order for him to stay in that presence. He could not stir himself up as we just read to take hold of God. God had to do something for him. God had to remove his sin. He could not remove his own. He could not keep a commandment. He could not get into right standing with God by his own actions and his own merit. 
First John one eight, if you turn there. First John one eight. You've ran into this before, the self-righteous. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Those, of, uh, the, those that you encounter, or even if yourself have said this at times, I didn't sin today. The Bible calls you a liar. And I'm not trying to be forceful or pushful or anything to that nature, but there is none righteous. No, not one, save the Lord Jesus Christ. And we fix our eyes upon him, and not our ability to keep the law. Romans 3, if you turn there. And I read earlier in Psalm 53, we'll see here that Paul was quoting Psalm 53 and Romans 3 here. In chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Romans, Paul was talking about the Gentiles and their sins. Chapter 2, he was talking about the Jews and their sins. And in chapter 3, he says this in verse 10. Speaking of both. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness, their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that the things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law. For what reason? Listen to this next part of this verse. That every mouth may be stopped and that all the world may become guilty before God. That's what the law is for. For us to look at it and say, just like Isaiah said, woe is unto me, for I am undone. Verse 20, therefore by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Paul said it was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. We can't keep it. It's to show us our filth. It's to show us that we need to save you people. What God requires, none of us ever from the beginning of time to the end of time can render under, unto God what he requires save the Lord Jesus Christ 
and those who have put their faith in his finished word. James chapter 3, let's, let's look what the apostle James had to say on this. The biblical witness in Scripture of this. James chapter 3, look at verse 5. talks about the tongue. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and every bird and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue, notice the next three words, can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. No man can keep the law. No man can tame the tongue. Only God can. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that we just sit down and say, I'm just waiting on God to tame my tongue. No, I mean, of course. We do our best to keep the law, but we can't keep it perfectly. We can't keep it for righteousness' sake. We can't be made right before God by doing it. Romans 7 Romans chapter 7, verses 18 and 19. Paul talking about his flesh here. The next chapter he goes on to talk about walking in the Spirit and not fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. A Spirit-filled life, a life that looks to Christ for what it needs, not trying to accomplish it in and of itself. Verse 18, he says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. Or in the modern vernacular, I can't figure it out. Verse 19, for the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would, that I do. Titus chapter 3, this same Paul speaking to a young preacher here. Titus chapter 3, let's look at verses 3 through 9. And he's talking about our old self and how we should act after our salvation. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. 
but after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward men, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being now justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, these things that I would thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These are good and profitable unto men. I want to concentrate on verse 9 here. It says, But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions, and notice here, and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable in vain. You could spend so much time trying not to sin that you miss the picture and you're not looking at Christ anymore. You're so focused on the rules that you have forgot the rule giver. The rule giver is who justifies you, not the keeping of the rules. Galatians chapter 5. Now Paul did say this. He did say in Romans, he said, should we sin more to where grace should abound more? God forbid. We establish the law. But the law does not bring justification. Galatians chapter 5. And I'll read a good portion of this chapter. Verse 1, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And the bondage he's speaking of is the law. Verse 2, he says, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, a sign of the covenant of Moses, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. And Christ has become of no effect unto you whosoever you who are justified by the law. You, or ye rather, are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit Wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ there is neither circumcision availeth nothing nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Notice in verse 7 here he said, Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. What leaven is he talking about? law keeping to be made justified I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded but he that trouble you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be a warning to those who were preaching law to be justified 
And he says in verse 11, If I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. It's the cross of Jesus Christ that makes us right, not the law. Verse 12, he said, I would there even they be cut off which trouble you. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty for occasion of the flesh, but by love serve one another. Verse 14, for the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. In verse 15 right here, I want you to get a picture of this because I've been in churches like this. Those who want to be made right by the law, there's a separation. There, there's an in crowd and there's an out crowd. There's the good Christians, there's the bad Christians. And what happens in these churches? Verse 15 right here. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh. In what context is he talking about it right here? Law keeping. My flesh wants to look better than you. I keep it better than you. So therefore I must be more righteous than you. Brothers and sisters, that's hogwash. Christ is who we should be looking at. Galatians chapter 4, turn back a page. Verse 1. I'm sorry. Chapter 3, huh? Yes, chapter 3. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you bewitched that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth crucified among you the justification comes by faith in Christ by his death burial and resurrection Paul calls these Galatian Christians foolish he said this only what I learn of you received you the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? No. Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministers you in the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he, he by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Faith. Not by the law. There is no justification by the law. Now, I will say this, that I am saved by good works, but not mine. I'm saved by Christ's good works. Not only am I saved by his death, but I'm also saved by his life because he kept the law perfectly. That, that, that imputation we talked about last week, that double imputation that he took my sin upon himself and he took his righteousness and he put it on me. We sang it earlier. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. What 
what glorious truth that is. Because brothers and sisters, I, I stand before you this morning and I tell you, I am a sinner. I do not deserve to stand up here. I do not. The things that go through this head all week, it's, it's been a trying week, you all know. And I haven't been shouting hallelujah, to be honest with y'all. But I've been on my face before God every day. Lord, help me. Help me see this through what you've called me to. It's too much for me to bear. This law that he gave to Moses in Exodus 20, it also is too much for me to bear. God, I need your help. And he made a way and he sent Christ to do it for me. What grace the Father has bestowed upon us that we could be even called sons of God, knowing how wicked my heart is, and that one day I'll be done with this flesh and done with this sin and behold Him in His glory, never to have to go through this again. Let's finish this morning in Romans chapter 3. look at verse 21 but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets even the righteousness of God which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe for there is no difference and everyone knows this verse for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God Do you see that in your own lives? Have you fallen short of the glory of God? Yes. Yes. Oh God, yes. Verse 24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, His righteousness that He might be the just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Brothers and sisters, this... This, this is where I find myself. Where is their boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay. By the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Justified by faith. Faith in what? Faith in the one who put an end to all my sins. Not faith in a story, not faith in a book.
people, but faith in a person whom God the Father sent His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's my Jesus. The one who died for me. The one who made an end unto all my sins. The law came by Moses, the Scripture says, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Let us dismiss. Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We, we thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the, the perfect man, the God-man that you had sent, who put an end to all our sins. We thank you for that, Lord. We pray that you bless the rest of this time, Lord, our prayer requests. The next hour, Father, we thank you for the trials. We thank you for the tribulations, Lord, that you've sent our way. For I know, dear God, in my heart that it pushes me to your throne to beg for your help, to be dependent upon my Lord Jesus Christ. For that's where I need to be. That's where we all need to be. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray and ask it. Amen.